The Caps on the Island as the road trip continues. Will Richard Ponick get back in the lineup tonight? And our long national nightmare is over. The Buffalo Sabres have won a hockey game. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, April 1st. Welcome to April, and welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. The Caps starting their five-game road trip on Tuesday with a loss to the Rangers. The race at the top continues to tighten as the Caps take on the New York Islanders tonight at Nassau Coliseum. And Ben, a big chunk of this race going to be decided, perhaps, at Nassau Coliseum. All four games on Long Island for the Caps will happen between tonight and April 24th. We know this much. If the Capitals are going to win this division, they're probably going to have to find a way to win at Nassau. Which has not been easy league-wide this season or in the East Division anyways. The Islanders entering play, entering this game. 13-1-2 on the year at the Nassau Coliseum. They've been a very tough team to beat in most arenas this year, but especially in their own barn. So we'll see if the Capitals can at least take some of their success over the past few seasons. Capitals have actually played well in New York, whether at Barclays Center or the Nassau Coliseum the previous few years. But a new season here, and the Islanders certainly have been tough at home. Their penalty kill at home among the storylines. They've allowed a league low three power play goals against at home this season. And conversely, we know about the Capitals' struggles on the power play on the road. Yes, they did get a power play goal the other night against the Rangers. You're hoping for more of that from a Capitals' perspective. No, they'll have their hands full. Have to figure another tight, defensively-minded game between the Caps and Islanders as they usually shape up to be. Rarely do you have a loss like the Caps had at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. Hear from the head coach and his rather pointed comments, some of which we had on this very space yesterday, and not have any lineup changes. Richard Ponick sits on Tuesday in the loss to the Rangers in a game with a coach. The Dano Chara, after the game, talked about defensive lapses. Ponick doesn't maybe provide a ton of offense these days, but he has been good defensively, not afraid to throw a hit. Might he get back in tonight? And if so, who's the other move? going to say you listen to Peter Laviolette yesterday a couple of things stuck out one was that he suggested he'll have decisions to make as long as they stay healthy here and he's not one to make decisions just based on you don't want to overreact from one loss is is what Peter Laviolette suggested that being said you also take into consideration the matchups and you look at a game like this against the Islanders and that type of team could be a little bit of a heavier game, and Richard Ponick is one that is able to use the body. He can lean on some players when he's in the lineup. That is something that he can do well and be trusted in certain defensive situations. I think it's an opportunity to get him back in the lineup. Again, I acknowledge what Laviolette said. You don't overreact based on one loss. I look more at who they're playing in terms of the Islanders. And then who comes out? I think you're looking at Daniel Sprong or, dare I say it, Jacob Verona. I still think it's premature. But I'll tell you, John, the top six is spoken for for the Capitals right now with Connor Sherry in that top six. And the fourth line, nothing's changing there. So your options are pretty limited for who comes out. You're looking at Daniel Sprong, which to me would be the quote-unquote easy decision. And then Jacob Verana is a, a different conversation entirely. But I think that's what's on the table if you are to get Richard Ponick back in for a team, an opponent like the Islanders who play that more rugged, you know, tightly contested type of game. On the subject of that fourth line, Nick Dowd, a bright spot for the Capitals on Tuesday, and hey, he's been a bright spot all season. A seventh goal of the season now for Dowd that matches last year's total. He's one off a career high, easily a career season. But as this game goes tonight, for he, for Hathaway, for Haglund, obviously going to be counted heavily in a game like this, especially when you have 
Barry Trotz with last change at Nassau Coliseum, uh, you're going to probably have to have those guys maybe out a little bit more than you might otherwise. Yeah, and they've been able to embrace some of those responsibilities this year. Talking about Dowd, Hathaway, and Haglin, it seems that the more you do, the more you can do when it comes to that trio. Whenever they've been counted on, lean on to play potentially upwards of 15, 16 minutes a night over the past few weeks, they've handled those responsibilities fairly well. Again, that goes back to opening night when the Capitals were on the road in Buffalo and Peter Laviolette said as much as possible He was hoping to have them go up against the Taylor Halls, the Jack Eichels back when he was in the Sabres lineup. This has been the mantra for those three since night one of the season. They're going to be trusted on. They're going to be counted on. They should embrace the opportunity to go up against another team's top line. I'll say this about the Islanders too, John. It gets lost in the shuffle. Maybe we talk about how stingy they are defensively. They could score too. Even without Anders Lee, they've proven to be a handful as far as what they can do offensively, uh, averaging north of three goals per game over the past month plus. Uh, They could score goals. They they could provide a chance. There's certainly a lot of talent on that Islanders bunch up front. Certainly, if you're leaning on Dowd, Hathaway, and and Haglin, certainly they've shown the the ability to to handle those responsibilities very well. And conversely, John, it's an interesting matchup all around. I don't think they'll be on the ice at the same time. You talk about the Caps' fourth line and the Islanders' fourth line. Case could be made. you got two of the best fourth lines in the whole league uh, going up against each other at Nassau Coliseum here. Yeah, going to be one of the storylines tonight, no doubt. And here's a storyline that is going to be talked about from now and for the next 10 days. It'll be talked about on this show next week. It'll be talked about all the way up until a week from Monday, and that's the trade deadline. Lars Eller is back, but center depth on his team, still very much a question. With 10 days to go here to the trade deadline, what kind of player should the Caps try and add? And if Oshie is the only answer, And this is not on TJ. He has been asked to do everything. He's the Swiss Army knife. But he's not a guy that you want moving to center. And you don't want to have this kind of roster instability in the Stanley Cup playoffs. TJ's got to find a home somewhere. And you've got to have that depth down the middle. If you don't have a guy that can slide in at center, you probably need to go find somebody, right? Just not to disrupt the lineup, if nothing else. And there's a part two to this coming up as far as this trade deadline and Brian McClellan in the general sense. But at the center position specifically, Ben, I feel like they got to do something here. I agree with you. And we discussed it a, a couple of weeks ago on onside, offside. But I agree they need an insurance policy there. And what that means is probably not something especially flashy. It might be a name that doesn't exactly you know garner a whole lot of headlines league-wide if the Capitals make type of pickup we're talking about but I would think a a bottom six forward who can play wing or center I thought to myself John going back to 2018 in the cup run when they missed Nicholas Backstrom how did they handle that well you had guys in the lineup in Chandler Stevenson and Travis Boyd who were primarily used as wingers even but they both have the ability to move into a center role if called upon in that capacity. And and that's the type of player I would think they could be in the market for. Again, a bottom six, maybe a winger who can slide into center, just somebody you can use in those situations as needed because when healthy, nothing's beating the top four that they have down the middle in terms of Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Eller, and Dow. That's as formidable as you'll find. But if they could get an insurance policy, I think it's badly needed. And you just have to look at last year's postseason as an example, how they struggled without Backstrom without Eller for a couple of games and more recently this year to your point oh she has filled in admirably but whether that's a long-term solution that's certainly up for debate and I'm not sure that it necessarily is should they want to make a deep postseason run all right so bigger picture now and I would imagine just from the vantage point 
that we have. I can't imagine there has been a a tougher trade deadline for Brian McClellan than this one. You have to balance the need to win now with an aging core of players, combined with almost zero room to add anyone without subtracting a piece off the roster, whether it be center depth or spare parts or a goalie. You have to talk about moving something out to move something in. And if you believe that this team still needs something, how do you stand pat? In the Alex Ovechkin era, he's going to be 36 in September. There's going to be somebody that leaves this team this summer for Seattle because it's an expansion draft and everyone's going to lose somebody. With this core, with this team, this is a team more than any other in this division, save maybe Pittsburgh, and I think Washington even more than Pittsburgh. This team is built to win now. There is a little bit of retooling that is going to need to be done Uh, And then you're looking at Alex Ovechkin forever, how long he's going to be here. You want to keep that window open as much as possible. But for guys with the top six scoring this team has, this is a win now situation. And Brian McClellan, boy, there's a lot of decisions that are tough. I don't envy the position because Mm -hmm. everyone around the league knows what he's facing. Everybody's trying to move something out. I thought about the game I did the other night, the Carolina-Chicago game. Chicago's got a ton of cap room. They could take on a contract, but you're also going to have to pay with prospects, too. They'll say, yeah, we'll take player X, but you're going to give us, you know, in the Capitals case, a Connor McMichael or something for the future that may be too rich to give up. This is there's so many moving parts, Benny. It's fascinating to me. And at the same time, the clock's ticking. There's 10 days. To that last point, I, I think if they are to make a trade and even if you get a team to help you out salary wise, they pick up a contract on your current roster they eat up the other player, the acquire, you know, the player you're acquiring. If they eat up part of his money, I think whatever trade McClellan potentially makes, I think it's going to involve either a pick or a prospect as well, just to further entice and make sure that the deal gets completed. The counter argument, though, I'll just mention. And I agree with with everything you said, John. The, the the one thought I have, though, as far as the window closing, the urgency. You got to go out and and really, you know, you don't want to miss this opportunity that 2021 presents. I feel like we said very similar in 2017 when the Capitals were on their way to winning a second straight president's trophy. They were all in. They had offseason decisions to make that summer. They were going to lose a, a number of players due to free agency, due to the expansion draft to Vegas, et cetera. And McClellan went out and he acquired Kevin Shattenkirk, the big splash. That, that was the move that was supposed to put them over the top. And of course, it didn't play out that way. And it was actually very difficult to, to fit Shattenkirk in on that back end. And the move to an extent backfired and ultimately the Capitals fell. And what I'm getting at is they still managed to win, of course, the Stanley Cup the following year. So there's always, you know, the, the window is closing. Sure, the window's closing. There's urgency to get it done this year. But I don't think there's necessarily a need to ruffle feathers. This is still right now. This is a division leader. It's a very good team as they're constructed now. I do think a, a tweak or two could potentially even further put them in position to get over the hump, make a deep run and, and reach their ultimate goal. But I'm not sure that it necessarily needs to be in the form of a big splash, a big blockbuster deal might just be more on the smaller scale. And of course, there's always the argument about what needs to be done or if anything needs to be done in goal. And I maintain I am still okay going with the young kids. And I say that as we sit 10 days away from the trade deadline, maybe an insurance policy there, but again, nothing, nothing too splashy, just in my, in my opinion. A very sober response and a very calm and rational response. I like that, Benny. And that's certainly very valid as well. I certainly think that's possible. 
Uh, let's talk about the Islanders game tonight. Islanders have taken a downward turn after a nine-game win streak and a 12-game point streak. Now have lost 4-7. Strong sense of urgency. We hinted a little bit at that yesterday, coupled with a couple of off days. They're rested coming into this game tonight. Isles have given up the game's first goal in three straight. It would behoove the Caps to start strong and rebound from their showing at MSG from their perspective. But from the Islanders' side, you want to keep that misery going. This is something they've endured lately, and the Caps trying to keep it alive here tonight at Nassau. Man, here's a little nugget as well, talking about the need for a good start. The Islanders among the best finishers in the league this season, entering play on Wednesday night, last night. Islanders tops in the NHL in third period, goal differential, a league best plus 20. And I bring it up to bring it back to the Capitals, which period has been their, their, their issue of late. And for much of the season, it's been third period. So certainly to your point, uh, Capitals would be best served to, to get out early and get an early lead and maybe plant that seed of doubt in the New York Islanders minds. And that said, still have the ability to clamp down and protect that third period lead should it develop for the Capitals because again the Islanders have shown a knack for the comeback this year and uh, among the best third period teams this season and overall for the Islanders on not only those numbers you reeled off two straight losses for their last seven just one regulation win in their last eight so here they are a couple of days off starting to get a little healthier too they've been dealing with the injury bug a little bit yes certainly uh, I would imagine as they begin a homestand now uh, pretty ramped up and uh, rested and energized Islanders bunch on the other side tonight. Around the Mass Mutual East Division last night, we start in Buffalo. Yeah! Well, Fogarty out in front. Centering feed is Fogarty. He scores! Stephen Fogarty on the doorstep. his first NHL goal. Here's Bryson dancing with it. Stephen Fogarty, what a pass! They score! What a goal! Casey Middlestead! Beautiful pass by Stephen Fogarty. 4-1 Buffalo. The Sabres won't get fooled again. Last night at home, they throttle the Flyers. Final score, 6-1. to one. The goals you heard there from John Forsland and Pierre Maguire on NBCSN last night. In addition to those two, Stephen Fogarty getting his first NHL goal and Casey Middlestad scoring. Sam Reinhart scored his 13th of the season. Curtis Lazar gets number five on the year. Brandon Montour in the third period scored twice including a shorthanded goal. For the Flyers in this one, Brian Elliott got pulled in favor of Alex Lyon, who was called up yesterday from the taxi squad to replace Carter Hart. Hart's goals against average now above four and a save percentage that is dipped below 87. First win since February 23rd for Buffalo, 18 straight losses, and it goes no further. Interim head coach Don Granato wins his first behind the bench for the Sabres and the Flyers continue to be a mess. Tonight in the Mass Mutual East, the Penguins are on the road in Boston to take on the Bruins. Knowing a win means they'll gain on someone tonight, either the Isles or the Caps. Possible this evening with an Isles regulation win and a Pens victory would be a three-way tie for first at the top of the division race. Also tonight, the Rangers look to continue their push toward the top four in the East with a game in Buffalo against the suddenly red-hot Sabres. 
Your standings on this Thursday morning, the Capitals continue to lead 50 points in a game in hand on both the Islanders and the Penguins, both teams with 48 points, two back of the division leaders. Boston is in fourth with 41. Philadelphia still in fifth, still with 38 points, but there are the Rangers Only two back. They can tie the Flyers tonight for fifth with a victory. And the Devils sitting at 31 points. Caps Islanders tonight at 7 o'clock. Coverage begins at 4 with Ben and Caps game day. Zach Fish will have the call tonight. Dominic Moore and I will have the call of Minnesota and Vegas at 10.30 tonight on NBCSN. So after the Caps game, shameless promotion. Flip over and watch us. A network air at 6.45, though, with Zach and with Ken. Hey, Ben, have yourself a great Thursday. Happy opening day and keep your head on a swivel today. Happy April Fool's Day, John.